Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com, the Chris Voss Show podcast. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Chris Voss Show podcast. Been taking a little time off because we posted like, I don't know, 25 or something interviews from CES, booth interviews, CEO interviews, uh, suite interviews from the suites. Not just the booth interviews, those are important, but we also did the suite interviews. Not sweet as in S-W-E-E-T, stop it you, uh, you sugar freaks you. Uh, no, sweet as in like taste, not tasty, no, not tasty. See, you look, see what you did to me? <laughs> anyway, we went to CES, holy crap, 2020. Uh, we had a great year at CES, really incredible. Uh, if you missed it, make sure you go back through the podcast and check out, I don't know, the last 30 episodes of us talking about CES. Uh, some of the great episodes were uh, Gary Shapiro, the CEO of CT, uh, or I'm sorry, the CEO and president of CTA, which is the... Um, uh, trade association that oversees and puts on CES show. If you don't know, learn something new here. I went to the show for years and did not know that. I was just thought he put on the CES show and that was his job. I didn't understand the whole dynamic, but that's okay. I always covered it because it was fun and interesting and, and uh, Gary does a hell of a job. So if you get a chance to watch his interview, I think it's his second year on the show right before CES, and I appreciate him coming by and, and uh, sharing his insight. And, of course, you can see his wonderful books on Amazon.com. I think his new his latest book that we interviewed him on last year just came out on paper book, so you can check that out. Um, <clears throat> what else do we have? Holy shit, there was so much from the show. Uh, so many great sponsors, Gifter app. Uh, you got to check out this app, this Gifter app. It's a Gift 3 our app the three axes in e and so we got a chance to see them um and uh they're one of the sponsors of the chris Voss show and i gotta tell you these guys have an app that's pretty awesome um if i can just plug it here for a second it's kind of like yelp it's uh for consumers and businesses so if you're a restaurant and you want to you know you go to that stupid gift card thing uh, at the store, and there's like 50,000 gift cards, and there's never the one you want. You got to go to another store to see if they have the gift card you want. And uh, it's only big chain stuff. It's never like Main Street players. So they make this app that's disrupting all that, which is pretty darn brilliant. I, I wish I'd thought of it. Um, but they're making this a wonderful app that uh, businesses can put on gift cards to sell uh, stuff. And and uh, and then consumers can go on and buy and trade the gift cards. And what's really nice is you can trade gift cards. Like you ever gotten a gift card to like I don't know. Let's say that you're a vegan. You know, someone in your family gives you like a, a you know barbecue place <laughs> ribs ribs joint, and you're like I'm never eating there. So what are you going to do with that gift card? So what you do is you uh, by giving it virtual on the Gifter app, um, Gift Three R app. You can uh, re-gift that baby. Just re-gift it, and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to mail it to them. You don't have to. Like one of the things I hate about giving gifts to people when it comes to gift cards is you got to call them up and be like, "Hey, man, what's your address or your Amazon email or you know what's your what's your mailing address?" When you call somebody and and stuff, you got to ask them that information. It's like sometimes it's a real creeper. Like you're like. What's your address, man? Um, and then they know it's coming. It's not a surprise gift anymore. And then they're like, oh, you're sending me what? 
Oh, wow. There goes the surprise. Remember the, remember when you were a kid, you get surprised? You know, unless you're like, gosh, you got under the, the bed. So now let's move on. Uh, we're going to do tech news on a separate podcast. Uh, so watch for that and check that out. But today we're just going to talk about one thing. Well, we already talked about a couple things, Chris. What are you talking about, Chris? <laughs> We're going to talk about one thing that just blew my freaking mind. Now, if you're familiar with the 1984 book, um, it's you know called 1984 by uh, George Orwell, I believe. Uh, <clears throat> I, wonder, I almost said Orson Welles there for a second. What was that about? Uh, George Orwell <laughs> wrote this book called 1984 about Big Brother and a new uh, was dystopian society. Is that correct? Um, where everyone is on cameras and monitored and, you know, everything is monitored. We're seeing, of course, you've been seeing this um, play out in China where I believe it's the Jinping, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, area where they're repressing Muslims and putting them in internment camps, which is very crazy. Uh, but all of their society, they're building these uh, facial recognition uh, picture cameras that uh, know your age, they know what you're doing. Like if you're, they they limit you. Uh, if you know they catch you buying too much alcohol, you know they go, oh, and that person has a problem. And then they limit your ability to travel and stuff. And it gives you like a social credit score that once you kind of go in the toilet with it, you maybe you protest too much or you know do some bad things they catch you on camera with too much. They um. It, it affects your whole life. Like, you can't move. You can't leave your area. Um, it's fucking crazy, dude. So uh, the big worry is, is when is this going to come to America and when are we going to become enslaved by these uh, algorithms, AI, and uh, sort of new camera work that's being done? <clears throat> and, you know, we've seen different things of this that we find out about later. Uh, Edward Snowden, of course, alerted us to a lot of uh, stuff that was going on with their cell phones. Uh, turns out that's not so much even the problem is more any anymore. Uh, the New York Times, if you get a chance, go to NewYorkTimes.com. There's a great article, holy crap, by Kashmir Hill that was uh, published on uh, January 18th, 2020. You've got to read this freaking article and share it and educate people on what's going on. Holy crap. Um, I remember years ago seeing... Uh, how the Oakland police and a lot of police departments, but I guess the Oakland police were just really just ramrodding the system uh, in San Francisco. And they mount this thing on their cars that as the police car drives down the road, it takes pictures and does searches of license plates. And then if you have like warrants or, you know, tickets or some sort of issue or registrations, you know, it just, it just turns into a, a, uh, a revenue crime it's not revenue revenue crime is not the right word for it it turns into a revenue crime money making machine and i hate towns that make money off of these uh uh off of revenue crimes you know speeding and and all this kind of crap um the uh i mean because it technically it targets the poor and traditionally it target it's very racial because it targets the poor and uh and people that are repressed in um racial sort of areas, if you will. So it just, it just makes the, the life of the poor, even poor. I remember growing up as a kid being poor and, uh, and constantly having speeding tickets and just turn signal tickets in Utah. I mean, Utah was a police state still is. It's just crazy. They, they pull you over for anything here in, 
in Utah, um, especially when if you have a car that looks like it's not you know a winter car. I suppose <laughs> I don't know. I had BMWs for uh, I had three different BMWs in the state for about fifteen years, and I was always getting pulled over. I suppose by jealous cops, but I was speeding, so I'll give you that. But the speed traps are everywhere, and they this is how they make their revenue. It's 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 plain knowledge that this is one of the ways they pay for their things. Anyway, uh, the New York Times published this article. Like I say, that you need to freaking read because this has just gone to a whole new level in fact uh, uh you know it's it's uh, pretty crazy uh this is a startup that they found and the new york times did some great reporting here because they had to really dig these guys hid their thing and it's a gentleman i hopefully i pronounced this correctly he's called hon ton that's um and that's his name mr ton that Ton dash that he's an Australian techie and one-time model, and uh, he basically ended uh, your ability to walk down the street anonymously and provide it to hundreds of law enforcement agencies, ranging from top cops in Florida to the FBI to the Department of Homeland Security. He has a tiny company called Clearview AI, and it's devised a groundbreaking facial recognition app. You take a picture of a person, you upload it, and you get to see public per, public photos of that person along with links as to where the photos appeared. And it's a backbone of uh, a database with more than 3 billion, I said billion, images that Clearview claims have scraped from Facebook, YouTube, Venmo, and millions of other websites. And it goes far beyond anything ever constructed by the United States government or Silicon Valley giants. I'm quoting here from the article from the New York Times, by the way. Um, and you'll find me doing that throughout this podcast because they lay it out in very stark terms that are very direct. Uh, and federal and state law enforcement uh, said, well, they have limited knowledge of how Clearview works and who's behind it. They've been using the app to help solve shoplifting, identity theft, credit card fraud, murder, and child sexual sexual exploitation cases. Now, this is pretty awesome uh, for you know child exploitation and murder and fraud and you know finding thieves and stuff. But it's highly questionable how they've come across this data. Uh, all of these websites that they've scraped from, they've literally scraped it from. Um, now, given this, these are your public profiles. Uh, on Facebook and stuff, but where they've scraped it from, uh, most of these websites do not allow this sort of scraping to go on. So it's kind of interesting if Facebook or or Google are going to deal with these people in any sort of way. And uh, these people know what they're doing, and they know it's a problem because um, even in like San Francisco, they have barred police from using facial recognition technology. They see what's happening in China, and they realize the problem with it. And, of course, 1984 was a precursor to this as well. So uh, without any public scrutiny, more than 600 law enforcement agencies have started using the Clearview AI in the past year, according to the company. Um, and uh, they hid a lot from the New York Times. They dogged the crap out of them. The New York Times, like I said, did great reporting. Uh, they've licensed its app to a handful of companies for security purposes as well. They basically weaponized uh, the possibilities of uh, facial recognition that are endless, according to Eric Goldman, co-director of High Tech Law Institute at Santa Clara University. Imagine a rogue law enforcement officer who wants to stalk potential 
romantic partners or a foreign government who uses to dig up secrets about people to blackmail them or throw them in jail. Basically, what it does is I can it it's scraped all your facial recognition from all, all your faces and all your data from all these public websites that you've been on. And it makes it so that the law enforcement or anyone really who uses the app can uh, take a picture of your face or get a picture of your face off Facebook. They can put the face into the app. And what it does is it goes through its database of all the collection it's scraped, the billions of faces it has. It finds all the matches to your face, regardless of angle. They've developed some pretty good AI that no matter which way your face is turned. Yeah, it can figure out that it's your face. They've done some, actually, some pretty brilliant work on mathematics and and uh, distance between eyes and eyebrows and how your face works, basically mapping out your face in a mathematics sort of sense. But here's the crazy thing: is once it identifies your face in its database, it can give uh, whoever is looking for this data all of the websites that you're on and all of the places that your face's recognition came from. So within an instant or a very short time, I can put your face in, like say I'm a stalker of, say, someone, and I want to find out you know, how to find out everything about them, uh, or even scarier, what if I was a pedophile and trying to uh, you know, find where a kid lives and stuff. I mean, I've done this, uh, we've done, uh, these sort of discussions on the Chris Voss show where uh, smart parents will take off the EXIF, um, data on their location data for their photos because they'll, you know, if they post their photos, you know, creepy pedophiles will start hunting them down. In fact, I think we talked a few last month, we talked about a, uh, a uh, company that busts this sort of thing, and they they post like they basically do the Chris Hansen thing. They post uh, decoys that are adults, but they look like children. They and they shoot them and frame them like children, so that they um, so they appeal to these guys. And within seconds of posting these these uh, child photos on it, like Instagram or anything, they're suddenly hit up by pedophiles. It's just it's just the most insane thing ever. I'm so glad I don't have children. And my brain would just melt um, just being paranoid about their safety at all times. Um, Probably because I know how evil the Internet is. So uh, anyway, getting back to uh, where I uh, segued off of the uh, so that you can put their photo in so they can see everywhere you are. So they can see your YouTube. They can see your thing. Now, if you're a terrorist or you're an evil person, this seems like a great thing. If you're a criminal uh, this seems like a great thing. They can put your face in. Let's say they've got some guy and they don't know who he is. He just shows up on a security cam robbing a bank and they're like, uh, put this in. And then suddenly it's like, well, here's this guy's YouTube. And here's his Facebook and here's his Twitter and all this shit. That seems like a great thing. And that seems kind of awesome. But here's the problem. Who watches the watchers? Who regulates the regulators? And that's where power corrupts. And that's where abuses take place. Uh, if you've studied or listened or read Edward Snowden's book, you've heard him talk about how the the co-workers of his at the NSA would would target hot chicks, hot wives, uh, you know, tagging their uh, cameras. Uh, they'd share photos, you know, they collect them. Um, you know, they weren't just sitting around being like, we're doing the uh, astute upstanding work of the u.s government here you know sometimes the uh, human nature of perviness would kick in 
uh, probably more times than not. I don't know. I don't want to speak for the NSA. I'm sure there's a lot of good people that work there. But you know what I mean? There's always that group of people that, that are just going to make anything bad. So uh, who watches the Watchers? And, in fact, we didn't know about this. So they uh, clearly was shrouded itself in secrecy, according to the New York Times. And uh, this uh, reporter looked into them in November. And the website actually is just a bare page. And it shows a non-existent Manhattan address as a place of business. The company's one employee listed on LinkedIn is a sales manager named John Good, who turned out to be the CEO, Mr. Tom That, using a fake name. And for a month, people affiliated with the company wouldn't return the reporter's emails or phone calls. And so in the meantime, he got with uh, police officers in Florida and uh, had them using the app. And then... This is the creepy thing. As soon as the um, as soon as the uh, uh, the the police officers showed on the app and showed the reporter how the uh, app worked, they started getting phone calls from the companies, the police officers, saying, "Are you talking to the media?" So they have the ability to monitor what's going on with the app and how law enforcement is using it and how to know when prying eyes are trying to find out what the fuck is going on. Um, you know, look, if you're, if you're running a company that you have to post a fake website with a fake address and, and you're faking your name employees on the thing, um, you, you might be doing something that eh, I'm not sure wrong is the right word, maybe unethical. Um, so certainly a lot of people in the, in the business and they quote some of these people feel that, uh, self-regulation of this sort of facial recognition AI is, is probably come to an end in time for legislation. And sadly, you know, our, our experience with legislators is they wait until it gets way out of hand, you know, like I remember when, uh, uh what was it? Shame, uh, uh shame porn, ex-girlfriend shame porn was getting huge on the internet and it, it had to get really freaking bad before legislators finally went, we should bring it. We make this illegal. It's like, Holy crap, man. First time I heard about it, I was like, that should be illegal like now before it gets really out of hand. I think by the time I heard it, it was out of hand. So um, anyway, um, <laughs> to make this story even more interesting, Clearview was found by Richard Swartz, who was an aide to Rudolph Giuliani when he was mayor, and backed financially by Peter Thiel, the venture capitalist behind Facebook and Palantir. So, you know. Wonderful group of ethical folks there. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're basically, um, you know, claiming it's for crime solving. But these guys have built a huge database and they're hiding it. And, uh, yeah, bring us to a dystopian future, if you will. So this guy, this 31-year-old Mr. Ton That, has created this uh, uh, app and um, using selling to police departments, and they're making just a killing financially. Uh, the monthly fees that they charge are pretty extraordinary, uh, and they charge, of course, depend upon how big the law enforcement is. And well, I, you know, I give you, it's it's got to be good for whatever. But you know, I I honestly think that maybe a judge should be overseeing some of the stuff. Like a judge should be able to say, mm, yeah, okay, here's the thing. You can if if you go to the judge and say, judge, we need to search for this person. Um, can you give us the authorization to put this in? 
you know, there needs to be some sort of oversight here. That's all I'm saying. It really needs to be some sort of oversight here because this is, uh, this isn't good, man. This isn't good. I mean, do you want, do you want some stalker, some ex-husband, some ex-boyfriend, um, you know, stalking your stuff and, uh, stalking your stuff? It sounds like Christmas or something. Stocking your, stuffing your stocking full of Christmas gifts. <laughs> uh, only the opposite. Uh, so anyway, um, the, um, uh, yeah, so they've been working on this since 2017. It's been really uh, tiny, quiet, and uh, just going through its thing. And they've, they're have they just uh, killing it. Uh, according to the article, in February, the Indiana State Police started experimenting with Clearview. They solved a case within 20 minutes of using the app. Two men had gotten a fight in a park and in with one shot in the stomach. A bystander recorded the crime on the phone, so the police had a still of the guns in his face. And they immediately got a match, found his match on social media. And uh, and so they, uh, I guess it turns out he didn't have a driver's license, hadn't been arrested as an adult, so he wasn't in government databases. So they found him, and they charged him, and uh, social media was the thing that gave him up. So uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, it's pretty interesting uh, what they're taking and doing here. And... Uh, I don't know, man. It's kind of scary. I mean, it's basically this. Um, it's basically this. Who watches the watchers? And it's kind of creepy when uh, they start noticing that the, um, you know, they're getting calls from a New York Times reporter. They're getting emails. And then suddenly they're matching it with their database that pe uh, some cops in Florida are showing the uh, app to the thing. Doesn't that seem kind of creepy? Like, we know you're watching us. Now we're watching you. And I guess that's what they did. Uh, so it turns out with the Los Angeles Police Department, they have a database of about 8 million faces. Uh, with Florida police, they have 47 million faces because uh, it's Florida. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then uh, with the FBI, they have 411 million faces. But with Clearview, you can search 3 billion faces. Now, I don't know how ethical this was, what they did, where they scraped from Facebook, YouTube, uh, all these different places, because technically this is against the Facebook TOS. Um, so it's definitely interesting as to uh, how it goes there. Um, sometimes they're able to uh, complete old dead-end cases. Um, I don't know. Um, and... Uh, Basically, uh, and they've even tapped into uh, surveillance cameras, too. So they're trying to use that. They're trying to just build the biggest database that they can. So I don't know where this goes, what it means, who oversees, the, who watches the watchers, who knows uh, what's going on. There should be disclosures. This is, of course, one of those uh, things where I remember years ago, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg knew at the time, and he admitted to it, and everybody, he caught shit for it because everyone was like, yeah. Privacy's not dead. And he's like, you just have no idea what's going on. But you'll wake up someday. And we, we kind of started, too, with uh, Edward Snowden. And uh, now we're starting, to with this other stuff. Privacy is dead. I mean, I have some people that think they're really smart because they're like, I put, I put January 1 as my birth date. That's the dumbest thing ever. If you don't think every credit card you have and every bank you have account doesn't report to a credit bureau, what your true birthday is, you're an idiot. Um, it's just, I've seen so many people do the most dumbest things thinking they're hiding their privacy, and they're really not. 
The best way to hide your privacy is to never take out a loan, never buy a house, never take out a credit card, um, never buy a phone or own a phone. That's always a good thing because the phone gives you away all day. But, I mean, seriously, you still need a driver's license, so you're in someone's database somewhere. And that most driver's license agencies sell access to that database and the data. So uh, there's just really no way around it. The only thing you need to do is to cut yourself off from everything and move to, like, you know, Montana uh, cabin in the fucking woods with a typewriter and shit. And don't bomb people. Don't be that Unabomber guy. Um, you know, that's about the only way. So anyway, that's kind of an interesting article. I wanted to cover it for you guys and wanted to share it with you. I think you should go read it and you should go share it, please. Um, not that I'm against people being busted that are criminals. I'm all for that. But again, who watches the watchers? Who oversees people? Any bad cop can use this to uh you know go after ex-lovers go after um ex-boyfriends whatever one of my friends recently and i'm not bashing cops here cops are wonderful people they do a great job for us and uh, you know uh, largely most of the time they're good but it's the bad apples that make every batch of apples uh rotten um so uh you know one of my friends recently she um dated a police officer and and kind of found he was a narcissist and broke up with him. Uh, and he started doing stocking stuff to her. Bad shit. And I think that sometimes if you feel that you have the badge, you can kind of pull some bad shit because, I mean, who's going to arrest you? The police? <laughs> Who are you going to call us? Um, and so I guess he pulled some shit on her uh, and uh, some stalkery shit and some uh, damaged goods and different things. I won't go into it because I want to disclose who it is. But basically he did some evil shit. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a case where, what do you do? You, what do you do? You call the cops and you're like, Hey man, your friend in the blue line there, uh, he did some stuff to me and they're like, oh, yeah, sure. We're, he's with us. Um, that thin blue line. Um, and who watches the watchers, man? And so you could see something like this becoming really bad. Um, and not, not uh, being held in the most high ethical standards. Anyway, go check it out. It's the New York Times. It was published on 1-18-2020 by Kashmir Hill. Kashmir Hill. And uh, I, it, I, to me, this is the must-read article of the month, year, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of bullshit you can read, but this is fucking crazy. And the fact they're trying to hide and not get noticed uh, while recruiting our police departments just scares the hell out of me. And the fact that there's no oversight, there's no ethics. Um, you know, facial recognition really needs an ethical oversight body. We need to have a body that oversees this stuff. Uh, I don't know if officially it would be a government agency, but we need something that would oversee uh, the ethics and this sort of thing and the morality of it. And uh, what's, what's happening with our data and everything else. We need to start doing some of this stuff. And I think the government doesn't want to get involved because... The government, um, the government basically, you know, they're using this. I mean, if you've read Edward Snowden's books or seen anything he said, the government doesn't want to regulate this because they're like, because mm, then we'd be regulated too and we'd do whatever the hell we want. Anyway, it's something that should be a concern to every American, especially when you want freedom uh, because these are how freedoms get eroded over time and how you lose freedom. Uh, and I think we all need to be concerned about this. I hope Facebook and 
and Google might uh, engage these people in a lawsuit or deal with some sort of way because scraping their images was not something I signed up on Facebook for. Maybe that's in the TOS. I don't know. I haven't read it like you. So there you go. Anyway, guys, we're going to move to news and some other topics on another episode of our podcast. So I'll wrap this one up. But please, please read this uh, thing. Understand how your images are being used. This is your data. This is your information. This is your face. And someday it may not be. And people are doing evil shit with that stuff between, you know, these fake videos where they can make it look like you say just about anything you want and ruin your future and life. Um, it's very scary, man. So be sure to check that out. Read the article. The Secret of Company That Might End Privacy, as we know it, is the title. And uh, it's this company uh, that I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about as they kind of start to become uncovered. Um, Clearview AI. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you guys. Be sure to give some good referrals to the show. We appreciate when you post those on iTunes. And thanks for tuning in. <laughs>